Again. <laughs> Hello. Hello and welcome back. Hope everyone enjoyed their hiatus from us. Yes, thank you. We're back. I'm Bay. I'm Jay. And this is the part I don't get. Episode 24 or 25? Question mark. I'm pretty sure it's 25. Yeah. 25. Yay! Yay! Wow. We're uh what quarter life crisis? Yeah, we can rent a car. <laughs> yeah, we can rent a car. After that, it's downhill, everybody. Just, just to warn you. So we have some good news, y'all. Jay's y'all. getting hitched. Woo! Woo! She's got the ring on her finger. He put a ring on it. She said yes. I did. I did. She said yes. Look out! Look out! <laughs> She's no longer. I'm off. Up the market. for grabs. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Joining the married and crew girls. over here. Oh, yeah. Guys and girls. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so, so uh, whose turn is it? I have it no It feels like it's clue. been ages. I think that uh, it's, I feel like it's yours. Okay. And, and yeah. And I'm okay with you doing it right. anyway, even mine's if it's actually, not your turn. Mine's actually kind of short. So, um, my first, I'm first going to answer a listener's question. We uh, got, okay. We okay. got a, a question submitted by Matt. I'm going to read his question, um, or his email. You sound like that, uh, Let me that love radio <laughs> Dr. Host. Ruth? Yeah. The, no. No. no like Delilah? She, Delilah. Hello, everybody. This is Delilah. <laughs> That's what you sounded like. I'm sorry about the loss of your whole family in a tragic car accident. This song goes out to you, Bob. <laughs> this song will make up for it. <laughs> and it's like the Titanic song. <laughs> My heart. <laughs> no one wants to hear that. So what's the... All right. Anyway, um, he says, this is Matt again. Big fan. Long time listener. I have a topic I would like you to cover. With the holidays in full swing and the unstoppable 20 pound weight gain coming, mm. I was wondering, dot, 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 what makes us as human beings so drawn to foods that are bad for us? Sweets, fats, etc. Foods that we have no business eating, while at the same time we avoid foods or consider it a chore to eat foods that are good for us, fruits, veggies, grains, etc. Shouldn't, by nature, it be the other way around? Hope this makes sense. Your number one fan, Matt. Aww, thanks, Matt. Thank thanks you. to our number one fan. We appreciate the uh, you listening and uh, reaching out to us. So that's actually something I've always wondered, too. Yeah. Like... Why does bad be a, food taste yeah. so good if it's so bad for us? Wouldn't it be in our best yeah. interest to psychologically be wired to like broccoli? Yeah, with you know supposedly all this nutrients and stuff yeah. that's good for us. So uh, my main source for this is actually called "This Is Why Junk Food Tastes So Bloody Good." By <laughs> I wonder where they're from, y'all. Good uh, by <laughs> I said y'all again. I know oh it's like gosh, wait, how so is that weird. a British with accent? a British accent? <laughs> was totally you know why? It's because you're around your family and they're like they have that random southern accent that we can't explain. Um, it, this this article is by Juliet Steen in the Huffington, Huffington Post, Australia. Down under. Oh, they say and bloody I, down there too. Apparently, we are the only ones who haven't caught on. I know. So basically, actually, evolution is kind of the main reason why um, evolution evolution is the main reason why uh, we like um, food with high concentrations of salt, sugar, and fat because <clears throat> these actually are very um, 
like quick sources of high energy, like dense mm. energy. Whereas, you know, back in our primitive days, you know, there was basically plants all around us, you know, greens mm-hmm. were readily available. So it wasn't something because it was so easy to find, it wasn't something we necessarily like had to, you know, get a hold of. But um things with like with you know the salt, fat and sugar um were not as easily found like they are today. Um so once we did find it, we would have to we we kind of evolved to like devour it basically. Because we didn't know the next <laughs> And we do devour. Hell yeah, look how evolved we are. <laughs> Biatch. Um so yeah, so basically we we crave it because, you know, in in these, you know, back in those days, we needed high amounts because we didn't know where the next source would come from if we'd have to suddenly, you know, run from an attacker or something, <laughs> you know. Store up that energy. Right. Running yeah. from attackers. I mean, yeah. that could happen today, too. Right. Look and, out, girls. And actually, you know, some plants are, are bitter, and that um, kept us from accidentally poisoning ourselves because you know we obviously it's it's not a good taste for most people so yeah and usually if it's poisonous it's um not good yeah (laughs) that's what happened to that into the wild guy that was like so sad he like ate too many like basically like this like potato plant or something i know like after all that work i know like he did all that research but you know it also happened on the hunger games so oh yeah (laughs) What was her name? The like squirrel or something? The fox, right? Oh yeah, the fox-faced girl. The fox-faced girl. I think that's girl. what she called her. Yeah, she didn't know her name. I think we. It's found a out great her name. way to describe <laughs> the squirrel. <laughs> but yeah, so watch out for those berries. Um. So and I, when I was reading this, I was like, but we've been told that fat is bad for us, sugar is bad for us, salt, you know, don't eat too much. But I think back in these days, it was like we could. You know, we were lucky to come upon it, so we never had to worry, um, you know, about overconsumption. And so the reason we um, crave salt, apparently, is because it's believed, you know, that we evolved from fish. And we're... <laughs> no, come on. Well, we, we you know, our... An- our not ancestors. <laughs> What's the word? <laughs> our predecessors... I feel like our sound guy might know the word. I don't know. Our <laughs> Anse- okay, he says ancestors okay. is good. Ancestors that were fish. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they grew they grew up. They, they uh, grew up and left the lived, pond. They lived and flourished in the sea with okay. the salt water. Okay. Look, look, this is all from this guy. I thought we gave her monkeys. Well, this is pre monkey. This is like you know. This is pre. Well, you know, like they, well, like okay. Biblical. So you know how it's like there were fish and then there were lizards. Okay, you know, like that. So I way, got you. way back. I okay. Yeah, way, way back. Like way. Okay, like way. Adam and Eve before. You know. Okay, back in the yeah. garden. Days. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, Adam and Eve is like a whole separate belief, I guess. But yes. we're not going to go Come there because it's you know. Sa- let's, let's let's stick to the science. facts. <laughs> <laughs> There are studies. Actually. No, I'm <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's why we crave the salt. Um, Do fish crave salt? Well, they don't. What about freshwater fish? No, they don't crave it because they 
they live in it so like they just absorb it absorb it what about freshwater fish what about platypi you know what screw you <laughs> maybe they take fish maybe they take salt supplements okay? <laughs> i don't know okay i mean you'll have to do mouth. that as your topic i will <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know you'd get so damn specific here i was just i was just yeah so at, yanking in, your chain in the article the um the author you know gave the example of like donuts did not grow on trees yeah. <laughs> so and it's like all of this is man-made in terms of you know we of course as americans especially have taken it to a whole nother level. a whole other level yes you know if you ever go to with me to cheesecake factory uh you'll understand <laughs> um, depends on who's paying. the meaning of gluttony you know? <laughs> <laughs> so um but unfortunately, there's, it's also a catch-22 because uh, studies have shown that the more fat you eat, the less enjoyment you get from it. You build, like, a tolerance to it. Uh, the brain basically habituates, and you get used to it, and you need more and more to get that same level yeah, of satisfaction. Yeah, so the, hence the overeating. Right. So it's like, I guess our brains were kind of formed to, to only really what we've always been supposed to do is moderation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, back to Tell that to my stomach. <laughs> I know. She right? ain't moderating anything. Tell it to all those damn commercials <laughs> when I'm like, all right, I ate my meal, my Weight Watchers Ugh. recipe, and then I'm sitting down, I'm like, Wendy's. Yeah. Where's the second meal? Oh, those Reese's, man. Where's the meal that ate this I'm meal? I'm telling you, my TV knows my weakness. <laughs> it really is a smart TV. Yeah. So hopefully that answers your question. Yeah. Um, Thank you, Matt. Yeah. That's a great question. So... Um, and if anybody else has any questions, just feel free to email us at this is or the part I don't get at gmail.com. Yes, we Google it so you don't have to. Or you can Facebook <laughs> us yes. or text me. <laughs> I've had a couple or of me. texts. Yeah, we'll take direct. Yeah. But don't give out our number, please, because we've had, you know, issues. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Just knocking down the door. Yes. All right. So, All right, so um, what's your topic? So this kind of led me. Uh, thank you again, Matt, because this kind of helped me lead me into my topic, which is super tasters. I feel like oh my gosh, I've me talked about, them. about this. I was gonna say because someone told me once, somebody asked me if I was a super taster. I was like, I don't, I don't know. think so because I because it was like how like I cannot handle any kind of spice at all. Yeah, and I can't handle anything that's even remotely sour. Yeah, and I don't really like things that are very sweet. I could go the rest of my life not eating a piece of chocolate. Well, what about that ice cream you had earlier? It was raspberry. <laughs> That's sweet. Well, I mean, it's okay if it has a little bit of chocolate on it, but like if it was like a chocolate, chocolate something. Well, or so you don't like super chocolatey, but sweet. Just I don't like super sweet, and I find chocolate to be very sweet. Okay. Well, dark I, chocolate only. Milk chocolate. I don't is think you disgusting. would. I think I think most of us are like on the cusp. Of... I'm like the only fat person that says this. <laughs> I'm a very particular eater. I don't think you're that particular. Okay. I don't know. Well, compared to me, I don't know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's very yeah. true. So my. So what is a super yeah, taster? So, Please well, tell let me. Just I'm very go excited. Go over my sources real quick. I got this from Harvard School of Public Health, so it's legit. Very smart. It's yeah. called Super Tasters and Non-Tasters. Is it better to be average? By Guy <laughs> Crosby. <laughs> to be average. Uh, and another source. That's my life goal. Wikipedia. It's my life goal is to be to average. To be average. 
Um, so super tasters are basically kind of self-explanatory, but it's people who have a higher sensi- sensitivity to the taste of bitterness in foods than the average person. So it's really just talking about bitterness, okay. but they do tend to not like spicy foods. Okay. So that's why I was like, okay. I was kind of thinking like you. Um, yeah. So he, let's, it's uh, 25% of the population are super tasters and then 25 percent are on the other end of non-tasters so they could just eat anything i guess okay i think that's my fiance because yeah i mean even like when you have different types of like um cultural foods that tend to have lots of like um paprika or cumin or like really heavy like jalapenos and spices and stuff like that i feel like this has got to be like genetic and also like so that is one thing um that they they said in in one of the articles was that um soup it, it has a lot to do with like what our parent or what our mom ate while we were in the womb oh. well not a lot to do but some, it has something to do with that it's cultural like if you're raised eating certain <clears throat> foods um and yeah just environmental and also um women are more likely to be super tasters oh i'm just checking off all these boxes <laughs> Now, this one you won't check off. They're more likely to be from Asia, South America, or Africa. How, you don't know me. <laughs> you're right. I, I barely know you. I know you're covering up that South American accent. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm definitely not from there. <laughs> so, um, so foods that super tasters find too bitter to eat are onion, Ding ding ding! Right here, you don't like. You onion just don't either, like right? it. Yeah, I, I don't like it either. I don't find it. Bitter. It has it's to be just... cooked to hell, and I'll like it. For some, I think for me it's the texture. Maybe? For me, it's the texture as well. I, I don't know. even like like onion rings are disgusting. Oh god. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Um, certain alcohol, gin, tequila, and mm. hoppy beers. Which I don't I'm like, like beer. Does it, but does anyone like? Oh, I do know one person that likes tequila, but I mean, most people. Like, how can you not find tequila bitter, you know? Or most... Yeah. Like, well, that's why you always have a chaser when you do a shot or something. Yeah. But, I mean, like, I don't like that. I don't drink beer just specifically because of the taste. I find it yeah. so bitter. Same. Yeah, with beer, I I just find it, like, it's not very enjoyable. Give me some rum. Give me I'm that good. pina colada. <laughs> Give me something that doesn't taste like alcohol. Give me a milkshake disguised <laughs> as an alcoholic beverage. It's like that Jim Gavigan thing about the salad. <laughs> nobody likes salad i'll just douse this whole thing in ranch dressing (laughs) i want a salad that doesn't taste like tons of ranch dressing um now this is where i got knocked out is brussels sprouts and cabbage and kale which i like all of those pretty much except kale you know what this is so funny because when you were talking about um the email question yeah i immediately thought of brussels sprouts and i immediately thought of you <laughs> almost every time i eat brussels sprouts i think of you Aww. because <laughs> that's so strange because i remember when we were younger you were pretty picky and then i remember like you came over and my mom made brussels sprouts and you were like oh i like brussels sprouts i was like you, you like, like brussels sprouts yeah. brussels sprouts are disgusting and then like since growing older i like them now Oh, that's but, interesting. But, like, you, like, inspired me to, like, Brussels sprouts. Really? Like, I was like... I was your oh, Brussels sprouts sensei? If Jay, if Jay likes them, maybe they're not that bad. <laughs> You're like, she doesn't like anything. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. And I think it's just, like, how they're cooked, really, is a big thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, because I never... You always have to put seasoning on them. Like, oh, yeah. you don't really want to yeah. eat them by themselves, because it's... Yeah. Like, yeah. freaking lima beans. Ugh. 
My God, the <laughs> lima beans are just grossest. like eh. it's like it's like eating air. Yeah, it really like cardboard. Yeah, like, it's like give me some more of that green air. Yeah, like thanks. This is <laughs> not enjoyable at all. So usually super tasters don't like they Brussels find sprouts. that extra bitter. So um, I used to not like them. Yeah. So I'm still kind of sort of. Well, that's in the interesting. It makes you wonder: Can a super taster like somehow make it so they can grow a liking to something? But I mean, if something's that bitter, it's going to be hard to just. What mm-hmm. are you going to do? Just like mm-hmm. hold it in your mouth and mm-hmm. wait it out? Yeah. Could you do warheads? I could never do warheads. No, absolutely not. Yeah. And um, they didn't say anything about sour though. Sour Patch kinda... Kids, Psh, get that get that away from me. No, Ugh. thank you. Absolutely yeah. not. Mm-mm. It, that would. Ugh. Um, Remember, people were like, I have the yellow warhead. I'm really taking it to the extreme. Because, like, the yellow one was, like, oh, that the was most the bitter one. I remember I, I would hold it in my mouth for, like, maybe 10 seconds, and then I'd start gagging. It was always, like, a competition. Yeah, that's why people were like, I got the yellow one. You know, one. We, were, we were so, like, square compared to the kids now with the Tide Pods and stuff. Oh, my goodness, yeah. We're like, we can hold a warhead in our mouth for, you know... 30 um, seconds yeah <laughs> um they also find coffee to be bitter which you know i only drink cold brew with um stuff in it yeah i, I, I like put a raw. shit ton or of not stuff raw, in my black <laughs> raw, but I, could, raw coffee, I could drink please. it black but it just wouldn't be as good yeah because it tastes too much like coffee <laughs> yeah um grapefruit juice which ugh, no thank you uh cilantro I can't eat cilantro. Apparently, that's like the it's big, like soap. the big test cilantro. Yeah. yeah, I can taste it in anything. Like you wouldn't be able to see it. I can taste it. It's so oh, I gross. Can, I can taste. I don't. I'm trust I, me. I wish I liked it because it's in a lot of Mexican dishes and Indian food. But it's in salsa, right? I'm fine with it in salsa. I don't really like salsa. It's usually too spicy. Yeah, like if it's in salads, I can always taste it, and it does kind of bother me. But for <laughs> some reason, salsa. <laughs> Well, it's food. You know, it's my it's my my number one <laughs> passion. What would you like? It's a good thing we already ate. <laughs> I know, right? Well, it's not like we're talking about like delicious foods. <laughs> uh, green tea, which I didn't ever mm. think that was bitter. Green tea is isn't like yummy. Ooh, green tea. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mushrooms. Mushrooms liquor, have no licorice. taste. Yeah. They're just weird. Yeah. <laughs> licorice, like which kind? Like black licorice is... is, is oh, I thought licorice I don't was like all... That. Oh. I thought licorice was all black. But like... Right. Well, then what's a Twizzler? Twizzlers are red. I mean, the Twizzlers make both black and red Twizzlers. Sometimes they're strawberry or cherry. Yeah. I don't know. I always picture licorice as being just black. <laughs> Our sound guy is laughing at us because of this in-depth, uh, intelligent that, conversation. Then what? Well, then what the hell is a red Twizzler? That's licorice. It's just a Twizzler. That's licorice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, black right. licorice is gross. Yeah, yeah. It's, but I feel like nobody likes black licorice. My dad likes it. Maybe he's a non-taster. <laughs> uh, and then like these weird like. These weird ones, watercress, mustard greens, I don't greens, like those either. Horseradish. Remember, whenever we have them, I like give them to you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I I'm fine. Horseradish is gross. So too. you have a you you taste something in watercress because to me it doesn't really taste like. Much. I don't I don't want to go anywhere near it. Watercress? Yeah. What do you have a fear of it? 
It's so gross. It even looks funny. But I mean, with the taste, you taste something. I can't remember what it tastes like because I just don't like them. I think that's mainly the texture. Yeah, I was gonna say it must be sensation. something more physical. Um, so the cause of super tasting <laughs> is unknown, but it's possibly related to more taste buds on the tongue. Oh. Um, it's also linked to a compound that's in the short version is prop. And a, a TAS2R38 receptor gene uh, that might be related to super tasting. Um, <clears throat> and so I also did, it kind of like led me, it just kept going into a, a rabbit hole. <laughs> um, but I, it made me wonder, well, why do some people enjoy spicy foods and some people don't? Um, so that's related to um, compounds in spicy food called, this is a big one. <laughs> Sound it Cap- out. Caps- capsicinoids. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. Um, they make your receptors in your tongue think you're eating something hot, so your body tries to cool itself down. That's why you start sweating. And okay, um, you know, and it also reacts to like yeah, I've the always mucus wondered membranes. that. Like, why do you sweat? Yeah, just because you're eating something. So hot. it's not even like you're not actually hot. Your body just thinks it's hot. Okay, because of these this the c word thing. <laughs> <laughs> Not um, that C word, folks. And like we already said, like some people like spicy food based on um, cultural mm-hmm. and Genetic. what your mom ate in the womb and stuff. Yeah. And that was from an article about why some people love spicy food and others can't handle it by Billy Cohen. So okay. that's pretty much my so topic. So what you're saying is I'm more evolved than you are. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I, I was curious. Like, Because if taster, I have more taste buds than you do, then I am That's not necessarily along. good. Because if you're picky... Well, well, it'll keep me from eating poison berries. Well, so they're saying super tasters have a high higher uh, risk of colon cancer because they don't oh eat many vegetables. That's interesting because my entire... <laughs> oh, dad's well, side. You better be careful. Yeah. Well, I've already... That's one that you can actually be genetically tested yeah. for, which yeah. I've already done. Well, it sounds like you might be a super taster. I might be. If it's 25%, that's, that's kind of high. Yeah. Oh, I just thought it was like super rare. And just didn't think that I could qualify because I'm not that special. But now I'm way yeah, more. Yeah, and I'm sure there's people that are kind of like, you know, straddling the two. Yeah. I don't know if you, it's like a I know, believe exclusive it now. list. I believe it. Woo! Yeah. There's some, like, test you can do, but there, even the articles I was reading was saying it's not really, like. Inclusive. Yeah, it's not really. We don't know if it's true or not. Or okay. really valid. All right. Wow, your turn. Okay. So I've been thinking about this one for a while. And (laughs) just the look on your face. Sorry. I think I saw like a word from your title. And so I got excited. Mine is all about imaginary friends. (laughs) (laughs) Your face. (laughs) I like that. I just was like (laughs) thinking. (laughs) Like I've always wanted to know like. Are, do they act do children actually see someone you know like do they actually like hallucinate seeing someone are they aware that the person's not real um you know like who's more likely to have an imaginary friend things like that when i was younger my neighbor was much younger than i was but she, like we lived in the middle of nowhere so she was really the only person to play with and she had an imaginary friend for like two weeks or some shit Did not she, even like a real long she like bragged about it no, oh. no. I remember her mom being like, that's her imaginary friend. 
just let it go, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> like, she was saying, like, let's just say that the friend's name is Jesse. Like, Jesse can like, come with us. And who? I was like, who the hell is Jesse? And the mom's like, that's her imaginary friend. Just, <laughs> just don't say anything. You know, we're just letting it go. We're just facing we're just it out. Letting it go. Let her we're not going to say anything it. about it. Okay. Just follow along. And I was so jealous with the idea. Like, I wanted an imaginary You're like, friend. I wanted to, like, I. I kind of like equated it with being like special, like well, you know, Barney was an imaginary. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, I forgot about remember that. Remember, the parents couldn't see him. I don't remember that at all, but oh. I think there was a song about it. Shimbery, <laughs> shimbera. <laughs> but I just equated having an imaginary friend with you being like an interesting person. Yeah, well, so, you're very imaginative. So I pretended <laughs> oh my God. to have an imaginary friend for like two days. <laughs> That's so sad. But I wasn't like all in. Yeah. It was very casual. You really have to commit. It was very casual. I like tried to play with my pretend imaginary friend. You probably friend. hurt your imaginary friend's feelings. And <laughs> you probably I realized very soon in that very this abusive. was very dull. You know, like it wasn't interesting at all. It was like, well, this is way too much work. You know, <laughs> You're like, I'm just I'd gonna just have a real friend. I would rather play by myself or have a real friend. <laughs> um, so I like just kind of thought of that. Um, I, I mean, I please feel free to tell us on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah, tell you us. You also tell us were about jealous your of people for having imaginary tell friends. Us, tell us about who your imaginary friends were and their names. Uh, yeah. I've never heard of anyone else saying that they were. Can I can I make a hypothesis? What? Uh, You're probably going to cover this. Are only children more likely to have imaginary friends? Yep. Yes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So yeah, and I definitely wasn't one. But neither was my neighbor. She was. She was one of two. So what is an imaginary friend? Most children play pretend and imaginary games with toys as if they were alive anyway. Mm. And according to Marjorie Taylor and her colleagues at the University of Oregon, by age seven, 37% of children uh, have an imaginary friend. Or in this article kept calling it an invisible friend, and that just didn't jive with me. So <laughs> I might go back and forth saying invisible and imaginary. And yeah. I got most of this from psychologytoday.com. Okay. But um, so Marjorie Taylor did this huge study on it um, at the University of Oregon. 37 percent is pretty high. That's more than super tasters. I would think it'd be maybe 50. Even. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. I thought it was like really unique because she was the only my neighbor was the only person I've ever met that had one. Actually, well, yeah, I, talked I knew about two it. people. And when I was in 10th grade, our English teacher told us how she had like these three imaginary friends like Billy, Bobby and bitch. <laughs> She had an imaginary oh friend God. named Bitch when she was like, like the really other two little. were just normal names. I know, and then Bitch. <laughs> so, what do they look like, and how how do imaginary friends act? Um, they can be human, animal, or fantasy creatures. They can appear alone or in groups. So, literally everything. Um, <laughs> in the past, research showed that boys have been observed inventing only male imaginary friends, okay. whereas girls have either female or male. Go girls. Whoop. Way to be inclusive. <laughs> uh, imaginary boyfriends. <laughs> I know I had those. <laughs> so no, children with invisible friends can easily describe what these friends look like and how they act to others when asked. Many children can describe hearing or touching their friends. Invisible friends can sometimes be a part of a child's life for many, many years. 
uh, imaginary friends are different from personified objects and toys. So, like, your little teddy bear or whatever. Yeah, I, I have um, plenty of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, studies show that children who create a friend out of a personified object tend to have more of a parent-like relationship. Oh, um, I can I can definitely probably see this in a, probably most likely a lot of little girls because of gender norms and like child rearing and stuff. Yeah. And like people really pushing that on like little girls like you have to take care of them. Yeah. Like, like with their doll. So I could probably see that regardless if it's like a natural instinct or not. I can probably see that. Um, so they have like a parent like relationship with their toy. But children with um, imaginary friends tend to have an egalitarian relationship that's more like a real world friendship so oh. you're equals okay um more than likely okay so uh the big question do children know that they are real or unreal like are they delusions are they hallucinations are they aware of what's so. happening so you had more faith than I did. <laughs> Children almost always know that their friends are not real. Because if they're calling it their imaginary friend. But I don't think they refer to oh. it as an imaginary friend. I feel like that's a word that we either the parents say, say later in life yeah. when we are aware of what's happened. And it's more of what parents say. Yeah, They're not like, this is my imaginary friend. Because usually delusions are like scary and not, yes. you know. Yeah. We'll get into that later. <laughs> um so through interviews with 86 children who had um, imaginary friends, uh, Taylor and her colleagues found that 77% of these children said yes when asked if um, they had a pretend friend. Mm-hmm. So 77% on board, knowing it's imaginary. Okay. Perhaps invisible. So this in this article, they said that maybe invisible friends represent kind of like an in-between between belief and imagination. Yeah. <clears throat> next page um so surprisingly imaginary friends don't necessarily disappear when childhood ends that was also kind of interesting i thought that it was something that mostly younger kids would have but um they say that socially competent and creative adolescents are most are most likely to create an imaginary friend and that this type of friend is not a substitute for relationships with real people so like well into so like pre years. Regular friends, but this is just an add-on kind yep. of thing. Maybe yep. it's like a coping mechanism. If you are socially competent, you can also still have an imaginary friend. <laughs> um, you might think that these children have who have imaginary friends would be lonely or have social mm-hmm. issues, but research suggests that those assumptions are most likely not true. Oh, that's Which really I also found to be interesting because I figured it was just like you were super lonely. Yeah. Like you said, only child. Um, you know. Or this like is why I should have this is why around. I should have had an imaginary friend. I failed. <laughs> um uh I guess I wasn't socially competent. <laughs> just saying. Anyway, so in fact, compared to those who don't create imaginary friends, children with imaginary friends tend to be less shy. They engage in more laughing and smiling with their peers, and they do better at tasks involving imagination um, and imagining how someone else might think. So they're probably very empathetic and sympathetic. So it's like maybe with the imaginary friend, they're working out like an appropriate relationship with somebody, and it's like a practice or something. Maybe. And then they can like, I think that they can really see like other people's point of views very easily. Yeah. Um, So it's like a projection. Of That's what so someone else would say, do, and think. Yeah. Because they're, like, thinking more about <clears throat> the other person's perspective. Yeah. So what you said, 
oldest children. That's you. Hey. Ding. Only children. None of us. And children <laughs> who don't watch much TV. Definitely neither, neither of us. <laughs> are more likely to create an imaginary friend. But the reason is... Because most likely it's thought that they they have more time and opportunity with unstructured time alone yeah. in order to be able to actually invent the imaginary friend in the first place. Or maybe they're also more extroverted, so they're not getting enough mm-hmm. social time, so they just make it themselves. Maybe. But, I mean, you'd have to think, like, they'd have to be used to playing by themselves. And they'd have to be creative. Yeah. So having an imaginary friend is not evidence that a child is troubled. Which I also found to be interesting. (laughs) However, imaginary friends can be a source of comfort when a child isn't experiencing a difficult time period. Mm -hmm. And there are many case studies of children inventing imaginary friends to help them cope with traumatic experiences. Yeah. A study based on interviews of middle school students at high risk for developing behavior problems found that having an imaginary companion... That's a much nicer word than imaginary companion. (laughs) Um, Little highbrow here. Uh, Was associated with better coping strategies, but lower social performance with peers. Um, So saying that, like, you know, if you're older and you still have your friend, perhaps maybe your friend is more of a coping mechanism than just kind of like fun, playful type situation. Um, However, by the end of high school, those high-risk children who had had an imaginary companion in middle school showed better adjustment on multiple measures. So imaginary friends can also help children to cope with fears, explore ideas, or gain a sense of competence through learning from or taking care of an imaginary friend. So all in all, imaginary friends sound pretty good over here. You know, yeah. according to psychology today. I'm amazed that there's a lot of people that it goes all the way through adolescence. Like, I'm wondering, are they talking to them, like having conversations? Or is it more just like they're just kind of imagining someone there and having I know. conversations in their heads? Even after all this, it's still not enough for me. Like, I need to know. I need to know. Um, Like, if they, they're fully imagining them the whole time, what they look like, what That's they sound like. a lot of like. work. This is what I found within my two days of pretend. <laughs> Your imaginary, imaginary friend. And it was just like... <laughs> loser. Um, yes. Big loser. No. Um, you know that... I just... It's like... They know that they're fake and they're imagining them the whole time. And then like... Like you said, like... It, maybe it's like almost like practice. Like, yeah. you know... I don't know. It's just... I find it to be fascinating. I, I Apparently, this is a lifelong struggle for me. Um, <laughs> no, I, I find it fascinating, too. So what to do if your child has an imaginary friend? So if your child has an imaginary friend, the psychology today says table. relax and enjoy it. <laughs> they said you should ask questions to find out more about the friend, and then you may learn something about your child's current interests wishes fears or concerns because oh. they are somewhat a projection of themselves yeah anyway. what if it's like a serial killer like oh, well johnny <laughs> you know we can't have a topic without taking it for a turn to murder <laughs> no, quite literally um how did you know so uh i was like trying to find because i thought it was my topic was kind of short so i was like let's see like of some real life famous imaginary friends some are good some are bad so um, for example, some people do blame imaginary friends for um acts of crime. Like a lot of the yeah. time, they're found to be 
you know, BS. Like the, um, oh, what's it called? The Slender Man murder? That is number one on my list. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know. I was like, I was okay. like, don't say it because she's probably no, going to get to it. No, it's fine. Um, I'd rather you guess and guess correctly. So in May of 2014, two 12-year-old girls from Wisconsin lured their friend into the woods after a slumber party. And then they stabbed that friend 19 times and almost severing an artery um, close to her heart her heart but that girl actually did survive the attack which is pretty cool yeah um terrible incident so when the the two attackers the two girls were arrested they told the police that slender man had instructed them to kill their friend otherwise slender man would kill their families so um, Slender Man is originated as a meme and then it turned into a scary story or more specifically Creepypasta, which is a website that has lots of, oh, yeah. they call them Creepypasta I've stories. referenced on my favorite um, murder. And like, as f- they're all fictional and they are pretty clever. Um, so he's supposed to be a tall, slender creature that wears a black suit and has no facial features. Somehow he, Slender Man emerged as a type of imaginary friend or foe to the two girls and they did not hesitate to stab their friend to appease this ghoulish apparition. Um, the girls also stated that they believed that Slenderman would welcome them into his mansion after the murder, that he, that he watched over them um, and could materialize instantly and could also read their minds. So I, I couldn't find whether or not like this was a delusion, if this was totally made up as a part of their so, story. I actually, I listened to a podcast about this. <clears throat> oh. um, there was this, uh, this psych podcast I listened to. And so one of the girls, I think they both ended up going to jail. Good. Um, one of them was okay and it eventually went away, the whole Slender Man. The other girl is completely psychotic and delusional. Oh. And she's like, she talks to herself and like, so do you think herself. that she kind of like, and I think she was like the ringleader to the other one, I guess. I think so. Or maybe intentionally. It's like convinced. a, I think it's called a shared delusion. Yeah. It's the French word. There's, there's a French <laughs> word for it. Yeah. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking Fla, about. Fla Fla de, de, or something. Yeah. Yeah. Fla de so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's not it. No. Yeah. So, like, um, the, or, I, it's something with the brain or the mind. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. So I think with that one girl, she it was actually real. was. She really believed Slender Man was living yeah. in this mansion. Yeah. And could and read her mind. Yeah. Uh, okay. They made a movie out, out of Slender Man. Not this story. I remember but, like a horror movie. I watched 10 minutes of it. That's that saying good, something huh? from me. <laughs> Scream 1 is my number one favorite movie of all time. So that's definitely saying something. Um... So then I also, like, found out, like, that, you know, have, like, there's a lot of urban legends and stuff like that, very similar to Slender Man. There's one about someone called Laughing Jack, apparently was just another type of fictional character, which is a creepy clown. Um, And that one appears to children as an imaginary friend, but then turns, uh, turns on them um, and then kills them and fills their bodies with candy. That's like the urban legend. Yeah. I have never heard of this one ever. But apparently in 2015, a 12-year-old girl from Indiana sent her, set her home on fire and then proceeded to, to stab her stepmother to death. <gasps> and when questioned by authorities, the girl stated that she had been given the instruction by Laughing Jack to kill her stepmother. Yeah. And the girl was then taken to a medical center where it was established that she had disassociative identity disorder. Which, you know, story's still out on whether that one's true or not. <laughs> um, so... I think they were trying to say that both of these girls had that and they were in some sort of disassociative state. Like yeah. the defense argued that. But. Yeah. 
So it's definitely come up in a lot of criminal cases and things like that where people have um, either like very simple stories where, oh, it was my imaginary friend that told me to do that. Yeah. Um, Especially when you're kids because people are like, oh, that could be true. (laughs) I know. And then sometimes people think that they're ghosts. So I saw this one story. I have, but again, like I don't know if this is accurate or not. But this one story about like this little girl who kept saying that Jonathan like lived in her closet, uh-huh. and Jonathan was her little friend, and they thought, you know, it's just an imaginary friend. And then eventually they moved, and then the new owners found this like little trap door in the closet, and it had like a box labeled Jonathan, and it had like baby pictures <gasps> in it and shit. That's so, <laughs> so creepy. I've got so goosebumps. so. You know, you see imaginary f- friends in, in criminal cases, it, ghost stories and things yeah. like that. Um, and then obviously some of them are just psychiatric disorders and stuff like that. Yeah. But the one that I found to be very interesting was, um, and I labeled this psychiatric disorder or guardian angel, I, question mark. I saw psychiatric disorder. I was like, Ooh. <laughs> so... A 21-years-old basketball player, Carl Anthony Towns, became the third youngest basketball player in 30 years to have a minimum of 45 points and 15 rebounds in a game. He plays for the Minnesota Timberwolves, and in 2015, Sporting News wrote an article about Towns because fans were curious why it looked like he was talking to someone during games that no one else could see. Um, And according to the article, Towns admits... To having an imaginary friend. Oh my God. (laughs) That over time has turned into his alter ego. He named this alter ego, quote, Carlito, end quote. You know, his name is Carl. Carlito. (laughs) With a K. Carl with a K. He also stated um, that Carlito is the, quote, little voice, end quote, that sits on his shoulder during games. So, like, so his conscience? Towns' <laughs> teammate, Tyler Ulis added his voice to the article as, as well, saying that when Towns seems to be looking down and talking to the ground, he's actually talking to Carlito. And it seems that Carlito is instrumental in helping Towns to keep from talking back to his coach hey. when he is criticized by him during games. Well, that's I guess that's kind of one of those examples where it's like it's it's good and healthy because it, it I kinda, guess so. You know, it's like a sounding board. I it guess keeps himself his anger in check. I know the Whatever coach got to do. The coach is apparently n- uh, not bothered by the presence of Carlito. He's like, as long as you're scoring all the points, <laughs> That's what he said, you can do whatever it, the hell you want to do. As long as it influences Towns' game in a positive way. So that was interesting. That's the f- that, that was the one that I could find where it was like a, an adult. I mean, he is pretty young for um, playing um, professionally. but And he started playing when he was very, very young. Um that's interesting to me like he's like actually talking to him yeah and he's like either looking at him or some version of him so that i hadn't seen as long as it's wanted and you know because usually if people hear voices they're very critical and they're saying really sexually like degrading things yeah. or like you yeah, know telling them to the kill person. themselves so that's how you can usually tell the difference although i've there have been people that have said voices that are saying nice things to them so but they're the exception usually yeah but it's usually like a combination and like you usually don't see things unless you've done some sort of drug (laughs) (laughs) i've heard that like like that auditory hallucinations are way more common yeah much more than seeing them yeah i feel like that's like a brain tumor or something well it could be yeah it could be that or it could just be like drugs (laughs) 
are just straight up drugs. It's drugs. It's, it's drugs. That's the end. <laughs> the end. Uh, but yeah, so I'm I'm I get I get a lot about the imaginary friend, but I just so wish that I could like personally experience hey, a true not version late, of the hey. imaginary friends, just so I could know for sure, like what is it exactly like. They're they're seeing but not seeing something. They know it's not there. And it's like a personified version of well, themselves. It's like when you read a book and you're you're seeing the characters the in your, your mind. Kind of and, and, yeah. and so I think it's kinda like that, but they're writing the the story, you know. That is a great analogy. I know. Look I can't believe I just came words. up with that. <laughs> Smarty fans. They're in they're in control. Uh yeah. So I that's actually a great way of saying it. Yeah. I mean I'm to this day, the only one I know that's ever been jealous of an imaginary. No, friend. I but I feel like I had a you similar situation where, like, I wanted to have an imaginary friend. Okay, thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's probably I think it might have had because of Barney, and I was like, Are you serious? <laughs> I had no idea that Barney influenced you. In Apparently, such a way. and I didn't even like Barney. Just, I didn't like Barney either. My brothers always watched it, so it just well, always they were younger. Yeah, and I just like the idea of like just having so much fun. And you're in control of it. I was like, man. They have so much fun with They Barney. sing songs. They go places. <laughs> the parents don't wonder where they are. There's a treasure chest. I know. They, yeah. You know. They have a, they had a tree house. I know. They hug. <laughs> they <laughs> a hug. lot. They hug a lot. They can't fit their little arms around oh, Big Barney. Yeah. Yeah. Well. It's not too yeah. late, Bay. You it's can not have too an imaginary friend. And I hope to meet them one day. Who knows? Maybe you but could be imaginary don't this whole time. Le- oh, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just fade away into the dust. Oh, that's so sad. Never forget. Yeah. Well, this was a pretty short and sweet episode. Yeah, you're welcome. So <laughs> make sure to check our Instagram at this is the part I don't get. Check our Facebook. This is the part I don't get. And please email us at the part I don't get at gmail.com. But really quick before we before we go, I just wanted to do a little shout out. So I hope you're okay with this. Um, so a big part of the reason why we had a little bit of a week hiatus from you guys, um, we are unfortunately down a listener. My mother-in-law passed away last week yes. from after her um, long battle with cancer. She listened to our podcast, Aww. and um, I was watching this movie, like, Troop Zero, which is all about sound waves going out into, the, like, the universe and everything, mm. and it just keeps going on and on and on. So I kind of thought, like, you know, we're, like, putting these sound waves out into the universe, so I just wanted to put out into the cosmos. <laughs> She's that, listening from somewhere. That if you are listening, thank you so much for everything that you did for us. Yeah. and. It just in general in life, not just the podcast, but, you know, we miss you and we love yeah, you. Yeah, we and, miss your energy and your spirit. And we are dedicating this lovely, this episode to you. <laughs> Thank you in your memory. So peace out, everybody. All right. See you in two weeks. See you in two weeks.